Welcome to the BU Podcast. We're getting after it yet again. Q&A session today. Questions that I've been given, questions that I've had come up in conversations, and I'm just going to answer them all in like a quick blitz on this episode. So question one was this. How do you deal with the issue of evil in the world? To be honest with you, my response to that has to be, from my own experience, um, oh, I don't have a, I don't have a default way of handling evils in the world, and here's why. There's some evils in the world that will trigger particular um, conditions, biases, um, beliefs that I hold personally. And because of that, my response to that brand of evil, so to speak, is going to be wildly different to you know an apparent evil that I have no particular personal response or trigger to. So my response to evil is is not the same in terms of my cultural response. If I experience it, if I read about it, if I see it on the news, you know, something like that, I don't have like a go-to bug standard response to that. Um, from a from the from a perspective of the world, evil will will exist and always will exist as long as we hold to the idea of good guys and bad guys. And we do hold to the idea of good guys and bad guys because we hold to the idea of needing to be and wanting to be on the right side of history as, 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 as individuals. You know, we, we, we try and, you know, our phrase is like trying to do the right thing and, um, you know, being right and, and sort of, being virtuous, being morally whole and pure and perfect and all of that. All of these things then give us um, ideas about what right looks like and what wrong looks like. And then because of that, we have ideas and judgments about what right is and what wrong is, what good is, what bad is, what um, virtuous is and what evil is. And from there, we then have a um, almost like a criteria so we can label and put people in these places and in these boxes. Now, I'm not saying that these judgments are right or wrong. All I'm saying is as long as you have judgment, you'll always have a notion of good and evil. As long as you have something that you can look at and say, that's evil because that's what evil looks like, or that's good because that's what good looks like. The, the issue, the, the sort of the prevalence of good and evil will, will, will always be around which sounds a bit defeatist because it sounds like I'm saying you can't eliminate evil. And to be honest with you, I don't think you can in the way that we've been trying to do it because evil isn't something that's like in the ether, in the air, and you know, and something that some people are just born into or, 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 or not. What we're describing as evil can come from two places. One, as I say, is, you know, the, the criteria that we have that we place on actions and then we label them evil or not evil. And the other place where we can see people doing things that we know do not help the greater good, let's put it like that. I mean, what's that usually, what that's usually coming from is a person who is lost, either lost in their own 
ideas of how the world works or, or, or lost in their own sense of navigating the world or lost in terms of like they they're just lost and because of that when you're lost in your psyche in that way your map is scrambled so when your map is scrambled you think you're doing something that's that's heading in in, in a direction that's going to be beneficial to you but you're not and it's not because you're inherently evil but it's because you're lost and because your map is out of kilter then your actions are out of kilter. Everything's out of kilter because the foundation's out of kilter. I don't think that's necessarily inherent evil because with a recalibration of the map, with bringing that map back into back into alignment, that person can come back into alignment. And we've seen this in life before. We've seen it when people have had a great turnaround where people were on one path and then they stopped and done a 180 degree turn, wait, let me just check, when you do 180 degrees, right, you end up going in the opposite direction, just doing it mentally in my brain, and mentally turn myself around. Yeah, it's 180 degrees. <laughs> so someone can do a 180 degree turn in life and go on a completely different path. What is that? It's because their paradigm, and by paradigm what I mean is their mental construction of the world and what it is has changed so much that they can't operate the way that they were operating before because their paradigm has changed. And if you ever want a real-life experience of paradigm shift, go talk to a parent whose child has just been born, and they'll say something like, I can't remember what life was like before my children arrived. Or go speak to someone who's had a dramatic change in life circumstance. That's one place where we experience a paradigm shift. Things around us have changed so much that, we we operate completely differently because our map has changed very rapidly and, and we adjust to that. And so in terms of evil and evil in the world, um, what I said at first sounded bleak, but hopefully you can see now that I just think it's quite surface level to just look at what someone's doing and saying, oh, they're evil, as if it's, it's like intertwined into who they are. Yes, it might be. You might see things in somebody's actions that, that you can see are harming themselves or harming others, that's usually due to a faulty paradigm or faulty beliefs that are active going on at the moment rather than that person being inherently evil in themselves. And so how do we heal evil in the world? Well, first and foremost is we ourselves, we, are, we, we, we look to ourselves first. I mean, we look to ourselves, first of all, to, to recognize that we're not perfect either. We may not be doing necessarily evil things, but I don't think there's anybody in the world who's got a 100% pass rate in terms of their actions. And from that perspective, we can get a little bit of compassion for others. We can get compassion for what they're going through. Um, we can get compassion for that space where somebody is just making mistakes, like they're just getting it wrong. They're not quite on it. And we've all been there. And, and of course, there are varying degrees of that. Of course there are. But ultimately, getting to that place of understanding and compassion within ourselves, first and foremost, addresses how we as a person, and then if more people are doing that, us as a community, as a society, respond to when people are lost. Because what happens at the moment is condemnation. Like, you're condemned. Do you know what I mean? And, and there's some things that people are like, there's no way back from that from you. Like, you're given 
not necessarily a you're not necessarily given a prison life sentence, but you are given in the eyes of the other a life sentence. Like there's no coming back from that, and I can understand that because, as I say, I have still I'm not perfect. I have certain things that I would see that would treat me so much that it would be very difficult for me to to overcome that. But at the same time, I still see that the only way to pull it like this, the only way to heal the devil is to love the devil. I want and not to condemn and, and destroy, try and destroy the devil. Because what you're doing then is you're giving, you're giving back, you're, you're almost dropping into the vibration and then giving out the same vibration of, of, of what you've just witnessed and said was so wrong. The only way to heal the devil is to is to embrace the devil in, in a completely different vibration than than what your so-called devil, and I'm saying the word devil symbolically here, is giving out. Because if you drop down to where the devil is at, now we have two devils. We have the devil who, who initiated it, and then we have the secondary devil who's now, you know, um, kicking back against the devilish behavior with more devilish behavior. It has to, it has to stop somewhere. So where that energy can stop is with us. When we recognize I'm not, I'm, I'm going to try my best. I'm human. I'm not perfect, but I'm going to try my best not, not to perpetuate the energy that I've, that I've just seen out there. Like I'm not going to add any more to that. I think that's a good starting place for us all. Cool. Um, next question that I'm going to look at. How do you deal with pain beyond your control? Now, I can imagine that this could be emotional pain. Um, this could be physical pain. And this could be like existential pain. You know, like lo the, the, those long, dark nights of the soul where you almost just feel like tortured within. I think the key thing in this question is the last part, beyond our control. When something is beyond our control, trying to control it is going to hurt you more than help you. When you're trying to control the uncontrollable, you're setting yourself up for suffering. Why? Because but if it is by definition uncontrollable, there's nothing you can do about it. And so the first step with navigating pain beyond our control is to recognize that it's out of our control. And in that, there is a deep sense of surrender. And I don't mean surrender in terms of giving in to the situation. That's not what I'm saying. It's surrendering in, in the sense of the situation is what it is. And clearly seeing that the situation is what it is. That's what I mean by surrender. So imagine you're going out one day and it's, you know, it's raining. You could go out and have a conditioned response to the rain. I say, ah, it's raining. I hate the rain. Got to get my hood on. I forgot my umbrella. Like I, I could go into a whole story of me not surrendering to rain recently. I went to, <laughs> I left my house um, and it was raining and my raincoat bit was soaked, totally soaked because um, I'd walked Ziggy, um, Ziggy early that morning. But then I was heading out the door again. So I was like, I've got a light, I've got like a light waterproof, it's very light. And um, it doesn't have a hood on because it's designed for like running and stuff. So I'll take that and I'll take my umbrella, I'll be cool. So that was the plan. Two minutes down the road, I've got my umbrella up, I'm feeling smug. Massive gust of wind comes, completely wrecks my umbrella. Then I'm trying, 
<laughs> you couldn't imagine. So the umbrella's like inverted on itself. So the prongs are sticking up in the air. It, it's just a, an absolute joke of a scene. I'm getting absolutely soaked to the bone. I'm trying to fix my umbrella and get it back. As I'm trying to fix it, fix it, I look up and the bus that I was going to catch rolls on by. So I miss my bus. At that point, I ain't got any surrender in me. I've got straight up rage. So in rage, I snapped. <laughs> I snapped like the umbrella in half so it fit in the bin. I was stuffing it in like, gotcha, shoving it in the bin. <laughs> and I ran, ran to go and get the bus and got on the bus. That was not surrender. <laughs> that is not surrender. <laughs> surrender um, in that same scenario would be whatever your thoughts about the rain, the, the, the fact is that it's raining. And to just leave it at that, it's raining. That's surrender. Because it's complete It's complete embodiment of, of it is what it is and, and, and sort of being with what is. And so with pain beyond our control, that's got to be the start point. It's recognising that it's beyond our control and, and in that, recognising that it is what it is. And then after that, I mean, when you're talking about pain of any kind, giving yourself grace, giving yourself, yeah, grace and, and love-like and understanding that what you're going through is challenging and difficult. And that there is no there is no right answer to how to navigate pain. There is no any sort of pain. You can only do what makes the most sense to you in the context of whatever you're dealing with and going through. But what I would say is look after yourself, if that makes sense. Like you want to look after yourself. If you need to go see a doctor, go see the doctor. Like if you need to get medication, go get it. If you need help, go and get it. If you need um you need the ear of, 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 of a wise sage that exists in your life, like a friend or a family member or someone who you go to. Go see them. Look after yourself. And in, in recognising there is pain and there's parts of this that I can't control, but the things that I can do, I'm going to do. I mean, that's a, that to me just seems like, well, it, I hope it would be what I would do anyway if I was in, in pain like that. But as I say, there's no right answer to that. There's only an answer that, that speaks to you as, as making sense and, and what you're going to go for. So yeah, that's, that's my answer to that. And hopefully that, um, that answers that question pretty well about how to deal with pain beyond our control. And then another question that I found, the final one, um, I'm liking this Q and A vibe. I think I'm going to do one of these. Um, I've just had a moment of realization, but <laughs> like, I really like this Q and A vibe. I think. I'm going to do um, episodes like this again where, you know, I, I get a bunch of questions that I've been asked, you know, maybe people have sent them in from listening to podcasts. Maybe people have sent them to me on reflection on listening to something. Maybe it's something that's come up in a coaching session. Um, and yeah, just answer a few of them on, on a podcast. I, I, I like this vibe. Um, personally, I like to respond to something, whether that be a question or hopefully in the future, some guests, um, that spirit of response like sits well with me. So um, yeah, I'm definitely going to be doing this again. You didn't need to know that. I apologize for you having to dive into my inner monologue and my inner review of myself. <laughs> but <laughs> it's too late now. I was too far into it. 
But yeah, I definitely feel that this is a good this is a good um, energy for podcasts. And what I would say as well before I get into the last question, if you have any questions that you want answering um, that fit sort of like the vibe, the ethos, the sort of content of what I share in the podcast, I would love to hear from you because then the podcast is becoming more of a conversation between myself and the listeners. And obviously when we get guests on as well, that takes care of itself, but it would be great to have listeners involved and by, you know, sending their questions in and then having their questions answered on future podcasts. Um, I just think that'd be really cool. So if you do have questions, the best way to get them to me would be to either contact me on my website, seanbrowncoaching.com, or to contact me if you're already a Facebook contact of mine or an Instagram um, contact of mine. Contact me through those channels as well, and I'll get. I'll definitely get to a question, and I'll definitely answer it. Right, final question um, for this episode before we depart. So the question is, is fear of failure the same as fear of not being perfect? Is fear of failure the same as fear of not being perfect? My answer to that would be, firstly, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. And secondly, that doesn't matter that much. Now, the reason I'm saying that that doesn't matter that much is because something else matters far more. What matters far more is that there's fear there. What we can do is we can get so um, we can overanalyze ourselves so much that we then take ourselves down a deeper and deeper and deeper rabbit hole, which leaves us leaves us actually more stuck than we were before. So this I can see how either of those sort of analyses, if taken too far can get you too too identified with your fear as being who you are. So like you start weaving it into your, you know, your history and your story and your lineage and, you know, and all of this. And look, there's a place for that. Like I'm not dismissing all of that. But what I'm saying is the deeper we identify with the fear as a part of who you are, as in the same way as you, you, you may say that your finger or your hand or your feet are a part of who you are, the more you're moving away from a, a space where you can move beyond it. Because you're, you're, you're almost saying that it's the truth of me. And, and when you're saying it in that way, you're deepening its hold. You're deepening its hold. I mean, to go to another deep level, to say that the physical body alone is who we are is, is not deep enough. We all, whether you talk about it, whether you make a podcast about it like I've decided to do, <laughs> or whether you never even consider it. Every human being at some point in their life has had has had that sense, that feeling, that there is something about us that is more than the physical body. And all sort of worship, no matter the religious denomination, and all conversations about an existence of a God or not being a God, all of that, allows us to get our head around it. Everybody has a position on spiritual things. Everybody has a position on it. You sort of have to because it allows you to then navigate the world um, easier because you've come to peace with your conclusion of, well, I think there is a God or I don't think there is. 
I think we're born and we just die and that's it. Or I think there's something beyond this life. Like these are things to reflect on and ponder, not necessarily to get to a right answer, but the, the nature of that pondering, the nature of that reflection is important because it then shapes how you move through the world. It shapes your values, what's important to you. And a big, a big part of authenticity is, is, is knowing what you're about, right? I'm not saying that that's going to that's gonna always stay concrete and never change, but just recognizing, you know, this is how I see this at the moment. This is how I see these things. So what has this got to do with fear? Well, the reason I'm talking in those terms is because if you can just see the fear as simply fear, and recognize that there is fear and, and, and just deal with that, then getting into the, the granular sort of components of that fear, getting in there and sort of like, see, you know, oh, did it start when I was five? Did it start when I was eight? Did it start, did it, start? Like, it it helps to move away from the intellectualization of it and the and the, the temptation to intellectually take it on so much that it then becomes almost like a concrete part of who you are, then the, the capacity to shift it is 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 slim to none. So when there is fear there, just recognize that there's fear. Is fear of failure the same as fear of not being perfect? I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. Depends on the context. What matters is when it's applied to you, what can you do to, to, to move beyond that fear? If it's appropriate to move beyond that fear. And this is how this conversation gets so nuanced. In like the personal development space, it's just always assumed that you should just destroy all fears. Some fears are healthy because not when it's a fear, but when it's recognized that behind that fear is a caution. Caution can be a healthy response to some situations and scenarios. There's nothing wrong with being cautious. Fear can be almost as an over-embellishment of, of something that is caution underneath it when you get to it and you sort of clean up the, yeah, you clean up the um, the wild places that fear can take you in terms of your of, of beliefs. And so I'm not necessarily, necessarily saying that we have to become like 100% fearless all the time. I don't know if I know anybody who's 100% fearless. I don't, maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I've not met them yet. So it's very, it gets very, very nuanced when we're talking about these things. It's really difficult for me to give an answer on this, which is a perfect answer for everybody out there. Because as I've said so many times before, the perfect answer in that way doesn't exist. You need the context. You need, you need your own context to see what makes sense for you. For, for, for one person, after speaking with them, I'd be like, yeah, this is a fear that you can release and let go of before it. Somebody else, I might be saying after hearing it, like there might be something, if you listen deeply to what 
this vibe is telling you there might be something in this which is telling you, look, just hold back, just hold on, just, you know, caution. But we can't know that until we get into the fix of it. And so, look, I don't know if I have an answer that's satisfactory for that question in yes and no terms. Well, I don't. I don't. The thing to recognise is that there's fear there. That's the most important thing to recognise. As we, to go back to what I said to another question, as we surrender to the fact that there is fear there, and by surrender I mean become as deeply in harmony with the vibe of it is what it is as possible, then we start to have a different relationship to that fear that is not just merely intellectual and our mind just taking us in all these crazy places. There could be some there can be a message behind the fear, which is either telling you it's time to let the fear go, or it's time to heed the message of what this, what looks like fear is trying to tell you behind it. The only way to find out what the message is is to get behind the crazy, the sort of the reactionary, overreactionary, inflated part, and look behind the scenes of that. And the only way to do that is to get really deeply in tune with that feeling and that emotion and allow it to almost run its course and then see what's behind it. So our first Q&A session is complete and I enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. If it brings up questions for you or responses or, you know, anything that you want to share, I mentioned earlier on in the episode where you can find me. I'll mention it again in the show notes because I don't want to repeat myself and say that again. (laughs) But I hope you've enjoyed this slightly different format for the podcast. And I hope to see you on a future episode. Be blessed, be you, and I'll see you next time.